Well, it is good to be with you. Um, some of you don't even know who I am. Um, my name is Doug, and I'm also one of the pastors here. And um, I'm just really, really glad to be with you. I really am. I want to thank you. I want to thank the pastors. I want to thank the elders just for having, uh, allowing me some time here to, uh, I wouldn't call it time off. I would call it work shift. Um, uh, working on the second chapter of my doctoral project. And I'll just say the Lord's used these last weeks here in ways, even that I wasn't quite expecting in some ways, for some things just pressing in on me and, and allowing me to see and, and uh, savor. And uh, some of I, well, those I want to share with you today. Uh, but I actually want to begin, and I don't like this, but I want to kind of begin with telling you a little bit about what's going on with the work I've been doing over the last weeks um, just because sometimes that's what family does. Um, and a lot of you have been asking, so how's your doctoral work doing? And um, so I thought I'd just hit it in a shot um, here. So let me just tell you a little bit of story about it. Background is actually about 10 years ago. Uh, just in the situations and circumstances that we had, I had the opportunity to begin taking some doctoral classes. And I just really wanted to do it to be able to be around guys. Because if I could be around guys like Larry Osborne, D.A. Carson, and so forth like that, I mean, my goodness, I'm in. And uh, just to be able to be in the courses and around them. And so uh, we did that around that same, uh, that was actually before this church ever uh, began and um, loved it, just loved it. The one item that was remaining when I completed those right before we started this church was a thing called a thesis project. And uh, I'll just say kind of seven years of 70 hours and seven days a week just isn't too conducive to be able to do that. And um, so I haven't been able to get too much work other than my intro chapter, which really sets the course for the whole project. And then it was here uh, in God's sovereign work, the end of last year, Trinity University in Chicago, who I'm working through, uh, sent me an email saying, hey, Doug, uh, we haven't heard from you very much. And uh, we're like, I'm like, yeah, I know. And um, they said, hey, if you don't get some work done here over this year, we have to drop you from the from the project or from the program and totally get that. That's the way it works. I'd already been on my third extension um, with them and they were very patient with me. Uh, Many ways I was great with that. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm not an academic by nature anyway. I'm not in it for the degree part of it. That's just not who I am. Uh, But then there was kind of a thing that just out of that, the, uh, the desire for my project just grew. And uh, so I talked with the elders, pastors, and, and uh, very kindly they've allowed me some time here to work uh, on the second part of my chapter. Basically, my project is oriented titled Going Dormant When Men Withdraw. It's oriented around this subject that Karen and I for a couple decades now have just had as working with people. Our statement in the past has been, uh, sorry about this, but women are generally critical, men are generally lazy. And we're talking about relationships. And uh, out of that, I kind of wanted to grab a hold of the men's side of it and just begin doing some work with that and um, seeing what happens. Men just have this tendency for us to pull away when things get dark and cold and hard, whether it's from a spouse, whether it's from others, whether it's from the Lord. I mean, think of a dormant tree. It just sheds its leaves. It pulls in to hang in there through the winter. And uh, that's kind of the idea here. So uh, chapter two is... uh, uh, the secular research chapter, it's gonna, I knew it was going to be the most challenging chapter for me in a number of reasons, in great part because I was getting some pushback, Doug, that's an observation you have, but can you validate it? And I got him. <laughs> Just letting you know that. No, but... <laughs> That was kind of arrogant, sorry about that, uh, but quite joyful. Um, 
Anyway, I came upon this whole track of social science peer-reviewed research. That's my floor in my office was a picture of, through the decades, uh, came upon just uh, early 1930s, actually. The same observation was being made. Uh, I found some of the research on that. Then in the 60s, they actually came into, sorry about this, but it's called, especially ladies, sorry about this, but it came into what they call nag withdrawal. And then uh, in the 70s, they developed pursuer distance or rejection intrusion pattern in the 80s. Literally, they actually call it demand withdrawal pattern. And it's where this idea that women in a dyadic relationship, in in small relationships, when things get dark and cold, women have a tendency to demand, men have a tendency to withdraw. And the two of those uh, build on each other in it. And so out of it, really excited about it. And I don't want to bore you anymore with it. But at the same time, so many of you have asked. And um, just let you know about that and what's going on. So thank you for the time. It's been a blessing in a number of ways. Lastly, um, with that, I just want to note that over this year, the elders have kind of given me some segments of time to continue in, because chapter two means that there's not just two chapters um, in this. And so this year, the goal is to get the secular research chapter submitted by June, then by the end of the year, the chapter three, which is a biblical research chapter, the next year, carry out the process, Lord willing, by the end of 2017, be done with that. We'll see what the Lord has. So, uh, and then you cannot call me Doug, Dr. Doug. (laughs) No, that's just bad. Okay, done with that. Done with that. Let's go to the next slide. (laughs) Uh, Before going into this uh, uh, time to be able to focus on that, I was really intending today to be an introductory day into our next series that we're entering into, and it is, but I've adapted it a little bit from that, and part of just kind of almost maybe a bit of a family chat, but also I think it's for me being able to step off the ministry treadmill from a while and just kind of have my head freed up for a little bit, grab some air, and be able just to be ministered to as well here, and just be able to look and see what's going on. Uh, I want to bring some we are's to the table. Not that I'm jealous that the other guys got to bring we are's and now I have to, but I just get to. And so I want to do that. And you can even see in your sermon notes page, the last one is we are entering a new sermon series. Okay, so we're heading there. Uh, today's kind of moving into that. Now, let me just begin with this. I think our last five Sundays on the pillars were just super cool. Um, for a whole host of reasons I can't even talk with you about, even from the standpoint of, I can, but I just don't have time, uh, just from turning a corner on some ministry dreams and things that I've had and I'm looking forward to here as us as a church. I think one is, I would just say, we have a deep bench. And in fact, we've had a number of people make mention of that to me, that in churches they've been a part of, they wouldn't have their uh, other pastors up here or they wouldn't have the ability to bring God's word the way our guys do. And it's like, sweet. The Lord is good. And uh, I just say thank you to Pastor... Absolutely. So I just say uh, thank you to Pastor Nick. We had uh, first Sunday, then Rick Donald from Chicago coming down, and just part of that, then Pastor Cody, and then one of our elders. First time we've had an elder preach here in a church, a lay elder, and just so grateful for Rick doing that. And then Pastor Eric, and just our whole entire pastoral staff, and and, uh, just we're blessed, aren't we? And so I just say this modern day terms, hashtag deep bench, all right, hashtag deep bench. So if someone wants to tweet that, go for it. Um, Just along with it, I just sat there and I thought, imagine if we were who we said we are. Just imagine. 
Because just saying we are doesn't necessarily mean we are. I think we all understand. We say we are means that we're pressing toward that. We're, we're, we're yearning for that. And, and I would just say, imagine if we are an unashamed worship people. By the way, we are so in this series not talking about just here. But everywhere in our homes, at work, imagine if we are an unashamed worshiping the Lord people. Imagine if we are an unapologetic proclamation of who God is in his word here and in our places of work and in our places of influence. Just imagine and, and imagine if we really were truly unafraid witness. I mean, just imagine what the Lord would do. Imagine if we really were putting all of this in an unrestrained love reality. Let's just cut the church Pharisee stuff. Just imagine if we were an unrestrained loving people of grace and truth in right, perfect balance together. And imagine if we really were a people of unceasing prayer. I just say imagine, 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 imagine. Also, I'm just going to add, uh, I think these last three sun or five Sundays have just helped us solidify who we are. And I'm just going to add this. I think it solidifies and it confirms that we're not a personality-centered ministry. We're not. Oh, please, say not. not. Okay, we're not that. That's not going to be the case here. We're also not a culture-driven ministry. We just do what's sexy. Okay, in church world. Is that, yeah, that fits. It does. Okay, we're just not that. We're, we're, we're not that. We're also, I'm just going to say, we're not a program-centered ministry, but we are an equipping, pushing ministry out to raise disciples, to make disciples, to make disciples. That's what we are. That's what we want to be. Let's pursue ahead, right? Let's pursue toward that. In fact, I want to bring an illustration. You know I'm very much of a picture guy, a wisteria tree. I would like to even kind of say we might be in a wisteria tree kind of ministry. Just work with me here for a minute. You see three different sizes of wisteria tree. You see a small one over here. You see a medium one over here on the left. And right in the center, you see a large wisteria trees. They are all from the same family, but they are all unique varieties of them. Uh, some information about wisteria trees. Uh, they can grow in fairly poor quality soils but prefer fertile, moist, well-drained soil. By the way, think the local church. In this, they thrive in full sun. They have fragrant flowers that drape down from soft green heads of foliage, foliage where people just love to take it in. The flowers develop in buds near the base of the previous year's growth. Interesting. They need one inch of water. Uh, they prefer it throughout the week, but if it doesn't happen to come out through the week, literally the one thing said, one uh, deep watering a week is necessary. <laughs> Interesting. A master gardener said, uh, quote, you'd be wise to take the time to get to know this beauty before you commit to her. He says, uh, but plan to enjoy her for, as for a long time as plants in China have been known to live for 250 years. Another gardener notes, quote, the wisteria is shaped by pruning. Buy yourself a heavy-duty pair of pruning shears because if you do plant wisteria, you will need to become a virtuoso pruner. He goes on to say, they require light but frequent pruning and one hard pruning in latter summer or early fall. And he says, don't lose sleep over pruning mistakes as they are very forgiving. 
Vigorous growth the next season will give you a second chance. Another adds, be warned, wisteria tend to have a mind of their own. Uh, Lastly, wisterias need extra support to hold their heads up in strong winds. There are many different varieties and distinguished shapes, sizes, forms, and colors. The wisteria tree has been known even by its beauty to inspire people to dance. Isn't that cool? May we be that. Different sizes, shapes, colors. The wisteria tree, by the way, it does not self-determine its unique size. It doesn't go, I am large. I am medium. I am small. Size is not its focus. But health and maturity and bearing fruit to its maximum capacity and beauty is the focus of the wisteria tree. In doing that, notice the unique support structures of each. You would say, well, on the small wisteria tree, if you can see it over here on the, on the side, the small, it doesn't have any support structures. Sure it does. It, not only is it the trunk system, but it has, uh, you can't quite see it there, but it has a vase system under it holding it, and if that fell apart, that little guy would die. Over here in the medium-sized one, do you see the support structures in there? Isn't that interesting? Uh, and then you see here at the large one, I don't know if you can see it here with the keyboard, but can, can you see the support structures? They're, they're kind of off here to the right and the lower. Can I note this? The, the support structures are not the beauty of it. The things that are there to help hold the tree up, those are not the things that that the beauty and the glory is all about. In fact, what you really want to have is you really kind of, in many ways, you want to have those disappear. Because why? Because it's all about the plant. It's not about the trellis. It's about the tree. And there's a tendency in ministry, I can just tell you behind the curtain, ministry curtain, there's a tendency within ministries for sometimes, for people like myself, for people like us pastors and elders and leadership to kind of sometimes end up making it all about the support structure. Oh, but we are not that. We want to be about the tree, right? We want this place to be beautiful and glorious unto the Lord that would have a fragrant beauty to people as they see how God's people function together and live and worship together. Oh, might that be a beautiful fragrance out on the entire west side of Indianapolis and beyond. True, amen? And in it all, by the way, it's not like that stupid support structure is a waste. It's really important. And by the way, do you notice in the support structure, there's no one main support pole. It's Romans 12, it's 1 Corinthians 12 reality going on. It's the body of Christ, uniquely gifted, bringing their gifts to the table. No one gift is better than the other. No part of the body is better than the other. Why? Because Christ is the head. And yet, it's all for the glory of Christ. I just want to put this out on the table for you to be thinking about and And I pray this. Oh, Lord God, I pray that wisteria would be our reality. That we would be a fragrant, maturing, healthy 
church for you. Lord, there's not competition going on between churches. Oh, I pray that would not happen. Oh God, I pray for other churches in the area that they would be healthy. Lord, I would just pray that we here, we would be a fully dependent people and a fully sufficient and sovereign you. May we be that. Because Lord, I would ask that you would hear from our own lips. We want to be that. Right, church? We want to be that, Lord. Help us, we pray. In your name, amen. Well, just a picture and some thoughts. Now, five, we are, wisteria tree thoughts from a support poll. You with me on that? A support poll, that's me, one of them. Okay, I was kind of hoping you'd laugh a little bit, but maybe it was not a very good transition there. (laughs) Hey, I've been off for a while. (laughs) Okay, five years from a poll. All right, here, number one, we are blessed, Harvest. Turn your Bibles to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. By the way, we're big about the Bible around here. Today's a unique day. We're going to go to a couple pages, so it's a little bit different. But remember, number five, we're starting a new series. And we'll go there in a little bit. Dive in next week. First Thessalonians chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, it's page 986, I think, and the Bible's behind the seat there. Context in Thessalonica is that Paul is only there for a brief period of time. He, he literally gets, kind of gets run out in the middle of the night. Um... After having some time away, he's able to step back and consider what's going on in this church that he has some skin in the game with. And uh, I would just say, look at verses 2 through 5. He comments to them, 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, starting at verse 2. We give thanks to God always for all of you constantly. Like, that's a lot. That's a lot. Mentioning you in our prayers, remembering, isn't that cool, before our God and Father, your work of faith, your labor of love, and your steadfastness of hope. By the way, a hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we wonder, no, for for we think, no, for, for we kind of have a feeling of, no, for we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not only in word but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. I just say kind of after the last five weeks, Karen and I want to say dittos to that. Um, It's so not, this church in Thessalonica is so not about Paul and this church is so not about me. Um, This is about a church the healthy, growing, all together, uh, about vibrant local church and churches in the area. Uh, no one person getting the glory, but empowered by the Spirit to glorify the Lord. And uh, Rick Donald had told us off to the side the one time from Chicago when he was here, he says, make sure and celebrate often. So I just want to say, celebrate. The Lord has been good here. We are blessed, you guys. We are blessed beyond imagination. Blessed, blessed, blessed. And I just want to say it publicly, we are blessed. Second, we are young. Turn a couple pages to the right to 1 Timothy chapter 4. I've got a few helpers that I'd love to have come up here and help me. Um, We are young. 
1 Timothy chapter 4. Come on up, my friends. Okay, just a second. I'm going to grab this mic over here. It is so good to have you. All right, here, I'm going to sit up here. Tell you what, Ian, why don't you sit here? Kami and Emma, why don't you come on over to this side? Awesome, you guys. It's so cool. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. It says, uh, by the, you see in verse 12, it says, Timothy, don't let anyone talk down on your youth. By the way, that means that Timothy was young. And he was. Also, verse 14, he says, Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have been given. Uh, by the way, that means Timothy has been given a gift. So Timothy is young. He has been gifted, and uh, give me some textual leeway here, okay? Um, I'm going to go to the principal idea of it and say it this way. Hey, Harvest, we are blessed. We have been gifted with what the Lord is doing here, and also, we are young. We are young. Now, with this, I want to introduce some of my buds here. Uh, These are special kids, and who is this? Ian. This is Ian. Emma. Kami. And Kami. Ian, Emma, and Kami. Can everybody say hi? Hi. They're all looking at you. <laughs> hey, um, in this, a couple of questions I've got from them. Ian, how old are you? Eight. Eight years old. I'm eight. Emma, Kami, how old are you? I'm eight, too. Are you serious? That is quite a coinky dink. And you know why? Because we, as a church, next Sunday, we're going to be eight years old. We're as old as you guys. That is so cool. Like, what month were you born? Do you remember? September. Okay. May. September. All right. So, you were born a little bit before... We started, so actually, you're a little bit older than we are. Uh, I'm curious, Ian, are you studying uh, calculus in school? No. Do you know what calculus is? Math. Whoa! Okay, like, like what's something in math that you are doing right now? Um, subtraction. Okay, cool. I remember subtraction. Um, Emma. Do you have a job or a career? No. So, let me ask this. Okay, so you're eight years old. That's right, you're eight years old. Uh, Do you have chores? Yes. Okay, good. I'm glad your parents have you have chores. Kami, let's see, I'm curious. Kami, do you own a house? No. Okay, have you purchased a car? No. Do you have a bike? Yes. You do? Now, did you... Pay for the bike, or did someone give that to you as a gift? Mommy gave it to me. (laughs) Way to go, Mom. Okay, Uh, uh, now with this, you're sitting next to me. Okay, look at me just for a second. You look at me, now look at you. Would you say that eight years old is young or old? Young. Young. Okay, I would agree with you because what am I? (laughs) 
Yeah, that hurts, but it is true. Okay. Hey, Harvest. We are eight years old. We are eight years old. Hey, have you ever had a child around you that is like eight years old, but is like in a 14-year-old body? You're, you know, where, where it's like, you look at them, and they're like, and yet they're still eight. And sometimes in that, what you end up doing is you end up thinking that they look like they're 14, they should maybe act and have the maturity of 14, but then that kid gets frustrated, and it's kind of not fair. And I'm not saying I'm frustrated, I'm just saying this, we're only eight years old, and yet, you know what, we're in a big body, we really are. And I think sometimes I've forgotten that. And uh, we are blessed, and yet we are young. Oh, by the way, have you ever been around that kid who's like, looks 14, but is actually eight, but tries to act like they're 14? Boy, that is irritating. And you're just kind of, let's all be honest. Let's all be honest, because we're in church, okay? We are at the throne, the Lord, okay, we are at church, and isn't it kind of like you can't wait till that boy, that girl gets humbled back to eight, even though they're that big? Hey, may we not be that? Timothy, you are young, but yet in that youth, don't let anyone look down on you that, on that youth. Uh, Timothy, you have been gifted, you have been blessed, but I would say this, do remember that we are young. Ian, do you like being eight years old? Yes. Do you, Emma, do you like being eight? Yes. Yeah, Kami? Yes. Awesome. You know what? I like being eight years old as well. Don't you? Yeah. Harvest, don't we? Uh, awesome. Okay, here's what I want to do. I want to show you guys a trick. Okay, can I have uh, like six individuals who have a dollar bill? Six people, dollar, can, can, you got a dollar? So I need six dollars from six different people. I want to show these guys a trick. Can I get some? Buddy? Awesome. We've got, nope, can't, nope. We've got to be from individual people. I just need one. Who else? Got one? All right, awesome. Awesome. Anybody? I'm just, don't ask questions. Just, I'm not taking your dollar, Jim. I got six dollars. Here. Ian, here's two. Okay, hold these. Now, uh, thanks, you guys. You can go ahead and go. All right? <laughs> Oh, Jim, I hope you feel really bad. <laughs> hey, um, before I move on, and from that point, I do want to say this. Um, love on our pastor's kids. They have a unique weight that they bear, okay? All the kids are important, but there's something unique about being a pastor's kid that sometimes ends up in tragedy, and uh, let's hold them high, okay? Sorry for the stealing your money, <laughs> but all's good. <laughs> we are blessed, we are young. Third, we are growing. 
By the way, I'm doing that second service too, so they're getting cash today. <laughs> hey, have you noticed that we are growing? Um, we, are, we are kind of that uh, 14-year-old kid in an 8-year-old body. Um, in the wisteria tree family of wisterias, it's kind of like, for me, honestly, I'll just all of a sudden... In these last five weeks, it's hit me of kind of like, huh, interesting. Apparently, we're a large variety of wisteria tree. And I've known that, but I haven't known that. And again, and the tree doesn't sit out and say, we want to be this size. Listen, uh, uh, let me tell you a couple things. Um, our leadership meetings as elders, pastors, I'd even say as small group leaders, we do not have the conversations at all about how do we get bigger True? I mean, I'm just looking at some of the round. It's so true. We just do not have those conversations. I'm just telling you, that's just not even in our mindset. We're just not like we need more because if you have more, bigger is better. And, and those just are not going on. In fact, I would say this. We're just kind of like we're a bunch of young support poles in the roles that we have. And we're just like, oh God, may the tree be beautiful unto you. Because that's what it's about. And, and I've come to see why at a time and a period, and kind of why I'm driving a stake in the ground on this today even, is that, that there's a time and a period where churches have this tendency to start getting big and getting arrogant. And I just want to drive a stake and say, not us. Oh, may that not be us. And instead, may we be about a tree that is beautiful and, and, and healthy and, and blossoming. And, and we're about that. And, and, and let the Lord take care of the size of the thing, okay? And then we'll grow into it. Uh, there's some things sometimes they get hard about coming into being larger. There's some wonderful things as well. And I'll say that, yes, we do have conversations and are having conversations about parking spaces. We're running out of parking spaces. And uh, we're going to need to be likely this year doing a parking lot expansion. And we'll be talking with you that down the road here probably in a couple months. We are talking about, as we had originally designed in this building, we knew that one of the first areas that would increase the capacity would actually be the kids' ministry area. And we had designed that outside would be one or two modular units that we would incorporate in. And we are having discussions about that, uh, working on that. And Pastor Robbie's doing a great job working that through. Uh, by the way, we talked with you last Sunday even about what do we do with Easter here and, and I just want to let you know, we decided that this, this Easter we're going to have two Sunday services, no Saturday service. We're going to have two packed, over-the-top, likely, parking lot jam Sunday services this year. And it might be the last two that we have on an Easter Sunday. But we're going to do that way and we're all going to have a fantastic time, right? Okay, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> because you guys are what we want to be. We are that. And if we're packed shoulder to shoulder and we have people sitting out in the hallway um, with that, listening through the walls, then glory to God. Um, yes, we've talked about structural support needs, including getting some of the load off of me and, and so forth with the chief operations pastor. And we're having talks about that, moving towards that. We've talked about uh, through our 2016 initiatives. In fact, I've got them up here and on the back is our budget for this year. If you weren't here at the beginning of the year, feel free after the service, come and pick one of those up. But I'll say this, look through the initiatives and what you will see is you will not see anything about how do we get bigger? How do we get 
cooler. What you see is, Lord, oh, how do we help this tree look better for your glory and for your magnification and use? The Lord is growing this tree, and we need to stay on our we are's. Let's be that. Let's let the Lord take it. If he needs to prune us to 500, he'll prune us to 500. But I'll tell you right now, we're hitting uh, basically almost 1,000 every week. Turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. By the way, Acts chapter 1, the the Lord is risen. He's ascended into heaven. Acts chapter 1. Can you just imagine the disciples around each other after everything that's gone through and them sitting there and talking about how do we get bigger so that we can be cooler or more famous or successful? I mean, that that just sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? Because I don't think that's what was happening at all. You you look at the end of Acts chapter 2. Verse 41 in there, the end of part, it says, and to them, after, after preaching is taking place there, that there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's like a lot, isn't it? That's a lot. I'm serious. I'm happy for them. I'm glad it's not us. <laughs> I just, but at the same time, 3,000 souls. Then go to verse 47. Here they are uh, with everything that's taking place. And it says, and the, I love this. This so fits with what Pastor Cody said. And the Lord added to their number. You see that? And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now this is at a point in time when there was no church, where there's just a small small band of people that are going on there. And 3,000 joined them, then 5,000 joined them. Acts chapter 4, verse 4, and the number of the men came to about 5,000. I just cannot imagine them being around there and in God's sovereign work and what the Lord is doing, these disciples, these apostles being around and thinking something like, we made it, we're mega church. We're mega church pastors. I can't imagine that because I'm convinced it did not happen. And instead, it's more of, it's just like, oh Lord, can you imagine the weight? And honestly, uh, sad to say that at times we do have going in church in America and across the world when things get large that it does get to be a bit arrogant. But instead, I think these guys are like, oh my, what do we do with this growth that the Lord has brought? How do we pull this up and support it to keep growing and being healthy? I'll just say, trust me, the weight and the heavy, the fear... The self-doubt is crushing. And the glamour is just not in light of that. And in it all, I just promise you, that wasn't happening with these guys. And instead the issue is, how do we make what the Lord has brought more healthy and beautiful and growing. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, disciples that are making disciples for the Lord's glory. More of that, more of that, more of that, right? Uh, More of that. And we do pray for that, but we'll let the Lord take care of it. Harvest, we are growing. And in the growing, we must stay focused on our we are's. 
My goal today is to be the exclamation point to the last five Sundays. Let's be that. Let's press those as the guys have brought to the table. Let's be, let's raise increasingly healthy, unashamed, unapologetic, unafraid, unrestrained, unceasing disciples. Anything else? Pruned. We are blessed, we are young, we are growing, and fourth, turn to Revelation chapter 1. We are face down. Oh, I pray we are. The Apostle John, I think we can agree, was blessed by the Lord. And, but John is not young here, which actually makes it even more important. John has a lot of ministry experience. John has brought a lot of people to Christ. John has been used by the Lord to, to grow a host of people in Christ. And in Revelation chapter 1, look down verse 12, you remember... John says, then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me, and on turning, I saw. I saw seven golden lampstands, and in the midst of the lampstands, one like a son of man, Daniel 7, clothed with a long robe with a golden sash around his chest. The hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and from his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in full strength. By the way, he just had a marvelous time last Sunday, Indy South, uh, going through Revelation chapter 1, and sometime visit, visit the plant, uh, Indy South here, sometime this year, I would encourage you to do so, the Lord's at work. Uh, and then after describing what he sees, John, verse 17, remember this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though what? As though dead. Oh, friends, may that be us. A people that sees a great big savior and not a hippie sandaled movie Jesus. And we can only be who we say we are if we see him for who he is. And in seeing who he is, we go face down. Let me say that again. Friends, we can only be who we say we are we can only be that if we see him for who he is. And in seeing who he is, we then go face down. And I'm just asking, how can we press together towards that? Number five, we are entering a new sermon series. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Judges. That's in the Old Testament. It's page 201, if you're using a 200, 201. Doug, Judges. <laughs> Are you serious? I thought you'd want a little bit of a break after Revelation. Hey, I'm on a roll. <laughs> Three reasons why Judges. Number one, because we just recently came off of the book of Revelation. If you read Judges, and next week when we dive in, we begin chapter one in war. 
and, and, and for us being uh, a people who really aren't in war, I, I get we're in war, but we're really not in war. We're not a people that get war very much as in recent decades. And, and coming off the book of Revelation into Judges, I think this is the perfect time to dive into a book like this because otherwise this book just seems crazy. But when you're coming off and realizing that we live in a war and we see the war going on in this day and age on the earth back in a time, it, ha- it brings some sense to it. So part of the reason I'm going to this is because we just left seeing Jesus, see the war, see the victory. And it's time to see it back here. In other words, we were talking about what's ahead. And it's kind of what's the future and what's that. But I want us to have us do this. I want us to have us see Jesus, if you will, see the Lord, see the war and see victory as we go back in time. Now, because we come off of the book of Revelation. Secondly, I want to go to the book of Judges because we just came off of the We Are series. And I have a question with the We Are series. What does it look like And what does it not look like to be that? What does a people look like when they are, we are? Also, what does it look like when a people are not living, we are's? What does that look like? By the way, judges, packed full of examples. Packed full. And we are going to be able to go back and not only see what we've grabbed from Judges bringing it back, or Revelation bringing it back, but we're going to be able to grab the We Are series as we go through this and just see this. What happens when a people aren't? And what happens when a people are? And third, the reason we're going to the book of Judges is because we have been blessed, we are young, we are growing, and we need to be face down. And those pull into this. I mean, consider God's people up to this point in the book of Judges. I mean, here they are. They are blessed, they are young, they are growing, and they start out face down. In fact, if you want, uh, the book of Exodus. We, we, We went through the book of Exodus actually in 2009. A whole lot of you are not here. We went through the series of the book of Exodus. I you can see the, the, the slide from that series. Loved that book. Loved that. God raises up a people unto himself and gives them a purpose. God raises a people with a purpose. Then after that, we went in 2013 to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. God gives his people that he's raised up to give a, with a purpose. He gives them a place. Remember, ascending base place. Not a, not a condo on the beach place, but a place that is ultimately a people given a purpose and a place to be able to reach the world. That was the design. Now, we go from uh, Exodus into Joshua. Uh, uh, God raised up a people with a purpose, uh, uh, Joshua, and he gave them a place. I'm curious how they do with that. Answer, the book of Judges. And we're going to take a look. And we're going to take a look. This series is probably going to take us through the summer. And uh, that's good. Friends, one of the things about the book of Judges is that it is so often taught as a moralistic, be-like, humanistic, stays horizontal. We're not a horizontal-focused people. We're a vertical-focused people. And the book of Judges is not just about maybe some familiar people that you know of, like probably like Gideon or Deborah or Samson. 
and a whole host of people that you and I have no idea about right now, but we're going to learn about. And so often the book of Judges becomes this six foot off the ground observation, but, but listen, I, I'm going to keep us from that because it's not about be like, it's about see the Lord. And by the way, here's what's going to take place. We are going to see our Lord and what he is like when his people are not what they say they are and what they are when, he say, when they are. Listen, and it will give you hope. It will give us massive hope because we can come off of the We Are series and say, we are this, so the Lord's gonna bless us because we are. No, you gotta understand this. Even when they weren't, he still is. And we need to hear that right now. I think we're at the stage of ministry where we're at. In light of where we've been, even in Revelation, and the we are. And so here's what we're doing. What's the title of this series? Let's, let's hit that slide up. The title of the series is on the front of your update, I believe. It's, it's, it's uh, He is. He is. That's what it's about. So I want to keep this vertical, not just about the human component. Yeah, the human component is part of it, but ultimately this is a book about who our God is. And know this, he is sovereign. We will see that. He is sovereignly engaged in the things of, that are going on in their day. And in an election year, he is sovereignly engaged in our life today. Oh, and by the way, not only is he sovereign, but we are going to see that he is warrior. Our God is not some wimp. Well, I don't want to come off a revelation and bring our Lord down smaller. We're going to see the lion of the tribe of Judah, who is the lamb, here. And he is a warrior. And in it all, we know this, we will see. He is a pursuer. He does not give up his people. He pursues them. And sometimes that means he brings heartache into their life and hard things into their life. But ultimately it's because he loves them and he's pursuing them and he's trying to bring them back to a place where he is who he is. And so we're going there. So this is the introduction to Judges, and I haven't read one verse in the book of Judges. <laughs> um, that goes against, so much against the grain of who I am, but I'm going to leave it there. And instead, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask if we'd have uh, the guys who led these, our We Are series, if they would come up, and they know about this, and they would come up, and uh, one of my initiatives for this year is to grow in the reality of prayer. And um, so I think this is an appropriate time for us to enter this new series as a people face down, okay? And so what we're going to do is we're going to have each of the guys uh, kind of in line. I'm going to take Rick Donald's place, but each of the guys lead in prayer, and lead in prayer as it that the Lord would bring those things to us in these coming weeks and months through the book of Judges. And then in that, uh, out of that, we're then going to take communion together. 
Let me put it this way. Today and this moment right now is intended to be a Joshua 3. Step back, consecrate yourselves, because next Sunday, we're not crossing the Jordan, but we're diving into the book of Judges. Okay, you with me? So can we go before the Lord and do this? And uh, it, it, I'm not saying you have to, but if, if you want to kneel, if you wanna, just want to bow your head, if you want to keep your eyes open, listen, the Lord hears when your eyes are open, just so we know that, okay? Um, but we're going to go before the Lord. And let's do that now. Nick, would you start us out? Father, we are unashamed because Jesus Christ is. And we can be an unashamed people because of what Jesus Christ has done. And so we respond to your revelation of who he is and what he's done by unashamed adoration at your throne. And we ask, as we move in to a new season and series, that we would grow in our understanding of being unashamed before you in our adoration and in our worship and that as we live out our lives in worship and as we gather for corporate worship, may Jesus Christ be lifted and exalted and be the center of all things. Oh, and Lord, I fall before you and I cry out, may we be a people through this coming series where we just grow in our, our confidence of you and our, just our unapologetic uh, reality of who you are through your word. Oh God, I pray you would help me. Help me help the other guys as we take this church family through the book of Judges. Help me help us to be able to be unapologetic and, and going and saying what needs to be said from your word and that we would hold your word high. And God, from that, I pray that we would be a people that, that like so many in the book of Judges, they lost sight, they caved in, they became apologetic. I pray that we would be an unapologetic people regarding the word of God, and that we would hold your word up high. And Father, we are an unafraid people because of Christ. We are unafraid because of who you are. Father, we are unafraid because you are sovereign over all things. Father, we can be unafraid because you are warrior. You are the one who goes before us and wars on our behalf and has warred on our behalf in Christ. And you are the pursuer and you have pursued us and you call us to be unafraid in telling others that you are pursuing them as well. Father, as we step into this series, we will see so many situations where it could have been only fearful in your people's response, and yet standing on this side of the cross of Jesus Christ, we have full confidence, full hope, and full assurance. And so because of Christ, we are unafraid, and we would pray 
that you would continue to increase us in being unafraid for your glory in Christ's name. Father, from the very beginning, you were love. Father, you've demonstrated that your love can never be restrained, that, Father, we are unrestrained. We're uninhibited, Father. We're, we have an opportunity to take the love that you've so incredibly given us the example of that we full on, Father, can take your love to a world that's lost and is dying. And, Father, to realize that love comes at a cost. Father, may this, your church, become unrestrained. Let your love shine from every part of our life, from every part of those encounters and those opportunities every day. May the love shine from us, your church. Father, let nothing, as your word says, let nothing separate us from your love. Father, may we come face down and give you all the glory and all the love that you so deserve and pour it out to those, Father, that need your love. Full on. Full on, Father. And Lord, we are unceasing in our prayer, desperately dependent completely inadequate, begging for you, God, to show up, to move on our behalf. Lord, we see in Judges the people crying out to you. Lord, you heard their prayers. You answered them. Lord, you moved. God, you're going to do the same for us. Lord, we believe it. Lord, we believe in the power of prayer because, God, you answer prayers. Lord, keep us humble. Lord, keep us just depending on you. May pride not be the one that prohibits us or gets in our way, God. May we not do what's right in our own eyes, but Lord, may we look to you and seek you and pursue you. Lord, more of you. Lord, as we now reflect on your work, Lord, as we remember the cross, Lord Jesus, as we remember your sacrifice in this time of communion, Lord, thank you. We are humbled. We are grateful, Lord, by your grace that was poured out, your love that was given and shed on our behalf. You did only what you could do. So, Lord, we worship you. Lord, we worship you as the one he is, the one who is worthy. He is the one who has rescued us. Lord, you are the one who's pursued us. Lord, you are the one who has delivered us. So, God, we pray these things in the strong name of Jesus because, Lord, you are the one who's worthy. Lord, we worship you. We pray this in your name. Amen.